Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. Beyond an unhealthy obsession with martinis, regular listeners to this podcast will be pretty familiar with our takes on the Negroni here at Cocktail College, and they seem to somehow find a way into almost every episode these days. So rather than shake things up, we figured, hell, let's double down with an exploration of the White Negroni, an exceptional modern classic that sent many a drinker down the craft cocktail rabbit hole. While exploring this drink does maintain that Eye of Sauron-like focus on the Negroni, today's is also an episode of firsts. The first time we've had two guests in the studio, as well as one other little first that you'll find out about in the episode. Those guests are none other than the delightful duo of Ali Marone and Patty Dennison of New York's Grand Army Bar. And they're in the studio today to drop some serious knowledge on gentian liqueurs and throw a sprinkling of shade in the direction of Lille Blanc. Just kidding. We're all big fans. Vine Pair is the podcast network, and Cocktail College is the show that's flowing your way today. It's a day of firsts here in the Cocktail College studio in the Vine Pair offices. Two guests today on Cocktail College and uh, one additional pooch in the <laughs> in the studio. But I'm very, very glad and happy to welcome Ali Marone and Patty Dennison. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Pop, pop. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Hello, Thanks for joining me today. How, how are you feeling about this first? We're just feeling it out here in the studio. I am currently petting the pup. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. That's always helpful. Emotional support podcast dog here today. Um, That's what we love. And really iconic cocktail that we're going to cover. A, a modern classic, I would say, in every sense of the term. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have had these discussions before, what constitutes as a modern classic. But this, you know, the white Negroni really is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get into it, I just wanted to note that, sadly, the the creator of this cocktail, Wayne Collins, passed away earlier this year, unexpectedly. So just wanted to give a shout out to his family and friends and no doubt the countless people in this industry whose lives he's probably touched. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the three of us here in the studio yeah, today yeah. with the white Negroni. So let's just kick it off. Um, can you call out the ingredients, Patty, please, for for <laughs> those who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, so I think um, specifically with like Wayne's iteration, right, it was three ingredients um, similar to the Negroni. So it's just going to be gin as like I would say the main base spirit. Um, Suze and then Lille Blanc. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said there, gin is the main spirit, but without this drink, I certainly would not be familiar with Suze, mm. right? Um, what do you think of that as well, Ali? Like, is this a Suze cocktail? And the way we've said this before <laughs> about the Negroni, I think that the Negroni is a Campari cocktail and not mm-hmm. a gin cocktail, but that's just my stupid opinion. No, uh, I agree. Do you feel that about the, yeah? Because yeah. it's like, like, yes, the color is so iconic, but just like Sue's, that's my baby girl. You right. know, it's just like she does complete the white Negroni. Like, Pat and I were just chatting earlier, just like, Avez, it's like, if you, like, you know, Sue's is going in and out all the time, it's stressful. But just like, without it, it would not be a proper white Negroni in a sad way. Yeah. So it's like, I rely on it. Yeah. And it's one of those ones, yeah. right? Like, you can you can change, tweak some of the other ingredients, yeah. but it's not the same drink without Suze, just as like a Campari and Negroni. Just yeah. further putting that one out there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to agree. <laughs> So let's talk about this through the lens mm-hmm. of a, you know, modern classics. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the significance of the white Negroni in modern cocktail culture? And where do you think its standing is? Like, is this mm-hmm. is this a drink that I can rightfully expect to be able to order at most bars and most cocktail bars, mm-hmm. at least, and they would have the ingredients? I would say so. Like, I think it's interesting, like, pending where you go, like when people will use Solaris sometimes instead of Suze, I'm like... Whoa, what you doing? But also, like, respect. Mm-hmm. That's your iteration. I will respect it anytime. But I do think it is a cocktail that you can order anywhere and kind of, like, almost get the respect of the bartender. Be like, oh, okay, I trust your taste. Good palate. You know nice. what's up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a trusting drink. <laughs> I 
I really agree. And I also think for me, it's a good way to like gauge the bar, mm-hmm. right? Like we're talking, there are different subs and different ingredients you can use. And for me, like, Using Sue's one is really important. And Mm -hmm. then a grapefruit twist is like my heart and soul. (laughs) And so if I go into like a bar and that's how they make it, I just am like, okay, I I can trust the cocktails you're going to make here. Like you have good taste. (laughs) (laughs) I feel seen. (laughs) It's funny too, because like you say, it is one of those great calling cards if you go into a bar and you order it Mm -hmm. and you can gauge kind of where the bar is at, right? And another one similar to the classic Negroni which is one of these cocktails that people often say, you know, if you're in a spot and you're not sure about what their mixed drinks capabilities are, order a Negroni because mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to mess up and yeah. everyone has them all. You know, it's equal parts. So it's somewhat ironic that the story, the history of this drink actually stemmed from not being able to get a Negroni <laughs> somewhere. <Yeah. laughs> um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, no, I can talk about it a little bit. It, It's funny because... It's like all they wanted was a Negroni, right? They were they were both in France, and, like, there's no good bars in the area. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we can't find a place to get a Negroni. There's not a good bar. Let's go to our liquor store. Like, let's see what the vibe is. And there's no Campari. Like, there's none of the <laughs> things they need, which I think is just, like, crazy now. I feel like in this day and age, like, there's just not a world which you're going to any liquor store and there isn't Campari. Right. And so this was Wayne, and who was he with? Uh, Nick Blacknell. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, Nick Blackdown was the director of Plymouth Gin. And it was really Nick who was like, I, I need a Negroni right now. It's a hot day. That is what <laughs> I want. So I guess just like with the inspiration of being in France, they were like, OK, let's base this on just like French ingredients. Um, and obviously Plymouth because they had a ton of it because he was the director of Plymouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so they saw Sue's and were like, cool, had been introduced to it a couple years before and was like, this could be really nice. And then Blackdown also was like, I love Lulay. Mm-hmm. So they bought all the shenanigans, went back to where they were staying, made a couple of these kind of like Negroni variations. Um, it sounds like at the time they were using like a grapefruit wedge as a garnish. And then after there were like more people need to see this and have this. It's amazing. How can we like get this to the people? And I guess that's kind of like where they ended with that. And then. It ended up regaining popularity in, like, 2010s with Simon Ford, which is, like, crazy in full circle. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, we use forged gin primarily in white Negronis, so it's like, wow, that's, it's like, a nice little cherry on top. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice. It's cute. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Plymouth has just been this launch pad as a brand for so many amazing people in the industry. You yeah. mentioned Simon Ford there. We've also had uh, Sebastian Hamilton Mudge on the show before, who works mm-hmm. at, who has Kandra drinks now. But... No, just a really iconic gin. Yeah. As bartenders, how does it feel to you like to hear someone come up with such a simple concept and it becomes so iconic? I guess it's like Phil Ward's Oaxaca Old Fashioned as well too, right? Like, do you have that moment where you're like, oh my God, I wish I thought of that? Like, yes and no. Mm -hmm. It's like, thank God someone did. But also like, what could be next? Like, has it all been done? Maybe not. I don't know. There's so much always, like, being created. Mm -hmm. But it's just, like, I would say, honestly, gratitude. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, thanks to Wayne there. And I believe Wayne, too, I think he was was pretty big in the the UK Mm -hmm. drinks uh, and cocktail scene, I believe, in London as well. So that's why those guys would have probably been, yeah, just traveling around Mm -hmm. France and whatnot. But what are you looking for from this drink? Is it something that, seems like a sibling to the Negroni beyond the build, just profile-wise, or do you think it's kind of wildly different? I mean, I, I would say it's it's relatively similar, yeah. right? I think that, to me, the, the white Negroni is like, it's like refreshing but more intense cousin. <laughs> I love Sue's, and I can tell you that Sue's is probably Allie's favorite thing on this planet. <laughs> um, but it, she's a bitter girl, like yeah. very, very intense. And so I think that it still has that kind of like aperitif vibe, right, that you get from a Negroni. But the Sue's kind of smacks you. And I think <laughs> Sue's is one of those things that's like not everyone likes it. I feel like almost most people like a Negroni. My old boss, Adam, hates Sue's more than anything on this planet. So sad. Really? But, and that's okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. you know, we all can't be amazing. And that's, that's Adam's okay. so close. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> 
feel like Sue, there's a there's an aspect to Sue's maybe the bitterness that mm-hmm. almost reminds me of Malort, which I think a lot of people will take offense to. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't Old hate statement. Malort, and yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to say that just to be like, oh, I'm cool, I have a refined palate. <laughs> like, I don't think it's as bad as people make out, but there is yeah. a, there, it's that bitter quality to mm-hmm. it, right? I feel like, you know, when bartenders are like really getting into like the nitty gritty of like all the ingredients, right? That is the one ingredient. Like, I do feel like I've had people say, like, I don't love Sue's. Shocker. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, compared to most other things, that's one that I'm most surprised by. I'm like, really? It's just the best. It's so, like, such an icon. But I that is kind of more frequent than, like, like I feel like I've never heard somebody say, like, I don't like Campari. I don't like Aperol. Yeah. Sue's is the one. And it's just like, I guess maybe good because when it's low on stock, I'm like, you're not buying it. I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, that's cool. But it, it is interesting. Is it something that is relatively yeah. easy to get hold of here in New York just in terms of supply? Or it's one of those ones that maybe can go both ways? I think, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, a I, tricky game. I feel like the world of ordering and what, like, the supply chain is something that I now am familiar with after yeah. the pandemic. But, yeah. well, there was just, like, that scary, like— it's like what six months maybe almost a year that you couldn't get it mm-hmm. and i'm just like people are like if you see it in a liquor store i feel like that's like chartreuse now right where people yeah. are yes. like oh my gosh we don't know what's gonna happen yes. <laughs> and it was sue's i know at grand army it was like as soon as it was available the the former beverage director robbie ordered <laughs> just like it's like the liquor room is only sue's and it's like rob like it we, was, we love it but like that's come a on. Lot. <laughs> so you know poor planning we were using like a quarter ounce in one of our spicy margaritas we totally like fucked ourselves basically <laughs> and he was just so like such a planner that he just like like back ordered a ton so after he had left there was a period of time i was getting at least three cases a week for like two months and i was like i feel like i can't tell anybody i guess everybody knows now but we saw so much and yeah. it's just like i'm so grateful yeah oh my god you spoke there about the uh the chartreuse situation mm-hmm. too and we were chatting about that recently with uh with Eric Castro, who I believe at the oh, same well. time was spending a lot of time in your bar. He was yes. staying right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. I, I did his podcast last week. So, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we love Eric. Such it's a funny, funny. Man. Yeah. 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 Um, I think Sue's, I think that polarizing nature there, mm-hmm. or for the people that love it, yeah. I think that might come down to, like, as bartenders tasting things all the time, you start to seek out things that are more complex. Again, it's not like an ego thing or a flex thing. It's more like you are used to challenging flavors and you want to try new things. Yeah. I think that speaks to the appeal of it. Agreed. For those who are listening right now and have never had this drink and they're like, what the hell is Suze? In a couple of words, it's a gentian liqueur. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Well, I mean, we, <laughs> we 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 found some lovely information on Suze, but basically, so gentian is like the root of a flower, mm-hmm. and I guess the best way to describe gentian is just bitter. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, and it, it's bitter in a way that kind of like takes your tongue over a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they they take the gentian root, right? They macerate it in alcohol for like a year, and then they press that and distill it, and then add a bunch of other shenanigans that nobody knows what it is, and that's mm-hmm. why we love Suze, <laughs> and there's nothing else like her. Um, but I think it's just, like, how it's bitter to me. But it's mm-hmm. also really, like, citrusy and saffrony and, like, pretty, yeah. but it just has that, like, it takes your whole tongue over in a way that, like, Malort obviously does the same thing. Yeah. But it, it's such a unique kind of bitter, and Commitment. that's, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not something I can like fully explain until yeah. you've tried it. Campari doesn't do it in the same way. No. Yeah. It's like whenever if I ever have it neat, it's just so like grapefruit pith and like pine to the face. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> and I love the color too. Does that yeah. come from you mentioned saffron? Does that come from saffron? Do we know? Probably it does. I, I probably, but I don't know. I would if, say yeah. so, right, those are like the mystery things like we can't tell you everything that's in this. There's like it could be anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's a trap, but... I once read that Fernet Branca mm. does include saffron, which you can't tell, obviously, because the colors are like midnight black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but apparently they buy up 75% of the world's supply of saffron because they use so much. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of Fernet that. gets sold uh, in, in Argentina, I know mm, for sure, mm-hmm. but, you know, around the world now these days. Yeah. But, and apparently that also is because they have such a high demand for it, that also is part of the reason why saffron's so expensive. I might just be sharing misinformation here, but I, I've definitely read that before. No, I somebody told me that a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? Also, 
again, like with the color of Fernet. Also, yeah. I don't know if I've ever tasted Fernet and been like, oh, I'm saffron. getting saffron. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a lot. That's what I've been missing the whole time. You gotta you gotta assume though that it does I, I again, like, yeah, I've never tasted saffron in Fernet, but you mm-hmm. gotta assume that it does make a difference. Yeah. Otherwise, given how costly it is too, yeah. as a producer, you'd just be like, Yep, you know what? That's the first ingredient to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's a liqueur. Roughly, how alcoholic is it? What ABV are we talking here? It's like 36%. Yeah, Yeah. 36%. It's not not the threshold of like a spirit that, you know, we have other spirits that feel more like liqueurs. I guess chartreuse is one of them. Um, So this one comes in a little bit lower. How else are you using this ingredient Mm. beyond, by the way, spicy margaritas? Yeah, that does seem like a bad idea, <laughs> given that that's probably one of the most popular cocktails. I know. And you're like well, <sighs> a product that might be hard to get hold of. But we'll see. what does it bring to that drink? And then yeah. what what other uses are there for Suze? Well, like the drink that it was when Robbie was the beverage director, I was head bartender, was our Nick Cage menu. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, right, LOL, Johnny Blaze, our yeah. spicy mark. But it's just we, the goal was like, we we're using um, a yuzu kosho. And so just like, the yuzu and the grapefruit notes that I get from Sue just, like, really amped up the flavor and just made the spice, like, yes, it was there, but it wasn't, like, blowing out your palate. So we kind of use Sue's as a modifier, and I would say still do that. Yeah. Um, but Robbie and I definitely bonded over our love for Sue's because that man was like, let me get a Sue's and tonic. I was like, any day of the week, Rob. You know what I mean? Sue's and tonic. Yeah, I that know, sounds that's, good. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, the, you know, an incredibly bitter liqueur. There's mm-hmm. nothing I like more than just adding more bitter there. Quinine fuel tonic. Yeah. <laughs> just really going at the palate with that one. Yeah. That's not what I could always do. I'm more of a Sue's and soda gal, but yeah. tonic, I go back and forth. Not always for me. I know. I'm actually completely on the same page with you there. I'm the worst Brit yeah. ever. I can't stand the gin and tonic. And yeah, tonic water. I don't know. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> the only time I like tonic... We went to uh, on the the fly, the fly, yeah, and they did Madeira and tonic, and it was really cool. Just a side note, yeah. that's nice. the only time I think I was like, "Oh shit, this is a very cool combo." Yeah. That I would never expect, and I really liked it. I also don't like tonic. I thought that I didn't like gin when I was like sixteen, but lol. News. <laughs> I don't like tonic. <laughs> it's it's such, it, that's such a common one though, Thank isn't God. it? When it comes to gin, people are like, "It's yeah." Oftentimes, yeah. it's like, try it without the tonic. Mm-hmm. Have a martini. Exactly. And yeah, there different. you go. Give it a go. Which is a wonderful <laughs> segue there because that is the next ingredient that we're going to discuss. Mm. So would have originally been made with Plymouth mm-hmm. um, by, you know, circumstance. Yeah. But personally, I do think that is a great gin for this cocktail. How do you feel about that? I do agree. It's like... Either way, Fords or Plymouth, I'd be super happy. Mm-hmm. But like Plymouth, there is something about it that's just like, mm, it just, it lets the vermouth and Sue's shine in such a beautiful way. It's like a perfect foundation for that cocktail. And I feel like Fords has like a little bit more like of the Juniper Botanicals going on, which yeah. which is like slaps for the drink, but they both are just such good like iron forces, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that can be appreciated. Yeah. Plymouth's like a good canvas, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's it's Love a that. little bit less Juniper forward, a mm-hmm. little bit more like neutral. And I will say like Plymouth mm-hmm. is my call gen. I love Plymouth so much, but it it allows kind of like the other flavors in the drink, I feel like, to really yeah. shine and for the gin not to like overpower or take over when yes. a lot of like American style gins might kind of like ruin it a little bit. Yeah. I like, I have this template where if I'm trying to get people into gin or if people like, you know, where should I start? Yeah. I often go with Roku first because I think mm-hmm. that's even more approachable, but still does meet the kind of criteria for what gin is yeah. versus some of these like maybe new American mm-hmm. ones that I'm like, this is a botanical spirit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Did you guys use juniper? I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> What's going on? So I would go, I go Roku then Plymouth, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the the natural progression there. It's very citrusy, yeah. right? And then, yeah, something like a Ford's or a Tanqueray. Yeah, Ford's Tanqueray. Yeah. Ford's for me is also, we've had Simon on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not hidden, our love of that, yeah. that particular product on this show. But Ford's for me is one of those ones where if I see it on a liquor store shelf, I'm, I'm buying it. Mm-hmm. And I continue to be astounded by how good value it is. I bought a bottle the other day on Saturday at my local liquor store. This mm-hmm. is New York. I was expecting to pay maybe 30 bucks and up. $26. Yeah. I could not believe I, that. I know. It's like 
Frankly, it's a steal. Don't it change is a it. steal. <laughs> yeah. Simon, if you're listening, please don't put the prices up. Yeah. Nor our friends over there at Brown Foreman. Guys, it's it's good as it is. <laughs> Consistency is key. Mm. <laughs> don't change. What if you wanted to shake things up with this cocktail, though, on the gin front? Um, do you have any wild cards for us today? Honestly, you know what I'm going to say? I don't know, but I, I want to hear what you're going to say. I feel like we if we're on the same page. <laughs> I feel like... One that, oh, on the count of three. No. Okay. <laughs> I love Bimini. It's, mm. right, beautiful gin from Maine. Mm-hmm. And when I taste it, it kind of like, all right, follow me here, right? It's like, you know how Solaire's kind of like tastes like sugar snap peas? Bimini does that for me, but also kind of like a little bit, like it's very, it's more vegetal than anything. Yeah. And I feel like that can like play really nicely with Sue's. So that's kind of like my wild card. I would be like, if you want to get a little crazy. Pick something else on the shelf. Give it a go. That's what I would do. It's nice because my gin also starts with a B, but oh. it's not a mini, which is fun because we would have been so close when we would have said it. I, <laughs> um, I think I would probably go Boatyard. Pop, pop. Um, okay. Relatively new in the American market, but they use this local botanical called Sweet Gale, which to me gives kind of like that savory, seaweedy kind of vibe going. And I feel like that in a way that... It's a relatively classic, like, London drying style, even though it's from Ireland. But it would give just, like, another kind of, like, note into the white Negroni that I mm-hmm. do think would, again, pair well with the Sue's and be, like, a nice little, like, savory undertone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All back to Sue's, man. Nice. <laughs> uh, boatyard, is it? Yeah. Yeah. That, I so I've I've recently just come across this myself and I like to think I keep on top of things on the gin scene actually yeah. if you'll avert your eyes over here to the bar <laughs> yes. uh, later on today I think I've got about 80 oh. to 100 bottles of gin to taste for you so that today is very much a good day oh wow um, but I, yeah I just came across Boatyard recently I went to the bar EMP just down the road yeah. here and they're using that as their well gin and for martinis I'm like this is a new one and this is delicious so it's- yeah Seek Class. that one out, folks. Yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Michael Smalley's the rep. We love Michael Smalley. Beverage director at the Nomad for a while, but we were using it at Hawksmoor and the Ultimate Vesper, and then pop, we pop. then ended up getting in at Grand Army, and it's just like great in a martini, great in a Negroni, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. a solid gin. Yeah. Honestly, good in a gin soda, too. Yeah. Nice. Does it all. So I mentioned earlier, you know, again, this, this opinion that I have about the Negroni being a Campari cocktail. Yeah. Because um, I don't think the gin really can have too much of an influence mm-hmm. on that drink. That's just me personally. Yeah. What about for the white Negroni, though? How much does the gin matter? Or is it more of a case of like, you want something that complements the other ingredients rather than like, the gin can take this cocktail in mm-hmm. crazy directions? Yeah, I feel like, right, when you were talking about Plymouth, and it's just like a perfect canvas, it's like, I think that is kind of the baseline when you're working on a white Negroni because if you are working on or, like, going to use, like, an American gin that has, like, off-the-shelf, like, wild botanicals, you're going to know. Yeah. Like, I was um, just creeping through, like, some random bottles that Damon has stashed in the liquor room at Grand Army, and there was this one gin that was, like, with peppermint and lavender, and that shit was crazy. And it's like, if that was in a white Negroni— it would just be like, I feel like toothpaste minty, and it would just get so confusing to the palate. So it's like, I would say the gin is quite important mm-hmm. to be like more of a low key, but like for that reason. Yeah, I, I would say just like something like relatively classic. Yeah. Doing something that's like London dry in style. Mm-hmm. It's just like if there's like 50 botanicals in it. Yeah. Like, again, it's in like, is this gin? Like, what's the vibe? <laughs> and so what are you? I think focusing on like what's classic for me is like what I want at yeah. least. Agreed. Yeah. And while we're on this subject or we're talking about some of those maybe wilder kind of <laughs> like botanical and floral American gins, like what's your go-to with those? Is that simply one where you might be like, I like this with soda, but it doesn't meet the bill for like classic gin cocktails? 1,000%. Right, that's, like, why the well is so important. It has right. to be so consistent. But then you can, like, have a fun, like, gin back bar space and yeah. just be like, these are all of our different characters we have. And these are why. <laughs> yeah, I think my thing with, like, American yeah. gin is, like, I'll do it in, like, a gin and soda. Mm-hmm. I'll do it in a Gimlet, a, a Collins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, a Mass, for instance. Good example for me. Yeah. yeah. Delicious in a gin and soda. Mm-hmm. Toss a grapefruit wedge in there. Amazing. But <laughs> I don't know if I want that in a martini. Yeah. yeah. But that And that's just my personal preference. Mm-hmm. It's like when people get Hendrix in a dirty martini, I'm like, there's rose and cucumber in it, and you're getting it with olive brine. That sounds so gross <laughs> to me. And so I just think there's yeah. just like 
a lot like that's my palette but yeah. like everyone's is different mm-hmm. but I just like to me that style of gin is good and like a light refreshing drink as yeah. opposed to maybe like a spirit forward cocktail yeah. I think that's where it's just so much more fun to like really understand like the ingredients behind the label mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just like like have a great understanding of like you should put a grapefruit in that yeah. this is what should like maybe avoid tonic it'd be a little too crazy yeah mm-hmm. it's a powerful it's a powerful spirit for being just like so obtainable in yeah. a great in a really lovely way and I should note as well. I keep I keep saying like these American gins. This yeah. is not a, a phenomenon that is exclusive to yeah. America. I, I, one we can call out as well, just so you know, yeah. in the interests of like we're being equal here. Like yeah. Nolitz is another one from mm-hmm. you know from Holland and or from the Netherlands, yeah. and that is like pure raspberries and petals for mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, that's not a martini, but it's a yeah. delicious product. Yeah. Right, exactly. The next component of the drink here, we've got Lillet and. I'm very happy that this is a modern cocktail because we don't need to get into the whole argument, you know, like of the Vesper where it's like, Lillet is not what it used to be. So actually, do we use Lillet because yeah, that's, that's so the name or is it a different profile? Like, how do you feel about Lillet in general? So we don't need to put that one out there, right? Yeah. We can assume that the Lillet they made this cocktail with is the one we're drinking today. Yeah, and yeah. Also, yeah they got some old Lillet from like the early, like prior to what, like 86 or whatever yeah. when it was, but... <laughs> Yeah, I I like Lule. Yeah. Lule was probably one of the first like things that I was like, ooh, I can drink this with soda and like it is like a lower mm-hmm. ABV. Like the orange in it is like really pretty. Like she's very beautiful. Yeah. We also, and I'm sure we'll eventually talk about this. Allie likes Coqui Americano instead of Lule. It was just so funny because you like brought up the whole argument about like Lule's not what it used to be. They took so much quinine out, but I I like bitter. I have a love hate relationship with bitter. Allie loves bitter. I do. It, like with Amaro <laughs> and stuff, like I just can't hang in the same way she can. Mm-hmm. And so I like Lily. I like a Bianco vermouth. Like I'm pretty, that's where I am more flexible than I think she is, mm-hmm. where it's like, I mean, you can speak, but she wants a Coqui Americano as opposed to it. That would be my preference. I love Coqui Americano. Die for it. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't be upset if someone used Lily. Like, I would never say anything. Be like, party on. Make the drink how you want. But if in my house, it's always going to be Coke Americano. Interesting. And what do you Love think? It. What does that bring to the drink that you think maybe Lillet doesn't? What's it bring to the party? And see, this is ironic because this is the thing that like Pat will taste and like hates. It does have a gentle baking spice. I feel like more than I get from Lillet, and so like it just adds a little bit more complexity to the white Negroni. It's just like right. She's like bright, citrus, piney, bitter, and then like kind of like a very soft like cinnamon note. I love that so much. I think grapefruit and cinnamon is like holy matrimony, just meant to be. But Pat is like, I hate the cinnamon. This is all I can taste. <laughs> it's just like if it's in a Vesper and I'm tasting cinnamon Which and like is fair. a stirred up drink, I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> like, why does this taste Live like someone in. put cinnamon syrup in it? It just like, and that's not something I noticed until recently. It was when I was at Hawksburg and we were R&Ding the ultimate Vesper. Every single time we made it, it was like, why does this taste like cinnamon? The cinnamon challenge is here. Yeah. And oh I still gosh. don't like it. I like Americano, but yeah. there is that cinnamon thing that I feel like, I know there's like certain things that people are like sensitive to perceiving. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the cinnamon and Americano that I'm just like, it immediately is like, oh my God. No, why, no. Am, why is my entire mouth filled with cinnamon right now? I just get a little more gentle, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this thing recently where, you know, and again, I get through a lot of gin at home. Yeah. And I have a decanter. And when it's like, if I don't have enough to make a full martini with a gin, then the bottle, the rest of the bottle goes in the decanter. And I also maybe have some, you know, like some small sample bottles. Yeah. And I had one recently from, it's been, it's been in my house forever. I don't know where it came from, actually. It was from Four Pillars and Australia, and it was a dedicated Negroni gin. Oh. And rather than tasting it, I was just trying to clear shelf space, so I took the lid off and I dumped it in the in the decanter. And I went to make a martini later that day with this, you know, the, the Ginfinity bottle, as some people like to call it, and all I get is cinnamon from that gin. It was like so cinnamon forward. Yeah. I've been working my way through this decanter, trying to top it up with like 
Junipero, just to make sure like yeah. we're going full juniper in the other direction. <laughs> I still can't dilute this cinnamon oh. flavor. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna drain for it because yeah. I'm, and I'm sure it makes a phenomenal Negroni that mm-hmm. gin too, but yeah, I just can't get past that cinnamon. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, another thing sounds lovely and like a classic Negroni. Yeah. But like if we're doing it in a martini, mm. I'm like a little weird. A little weird. It's very rare that I'll pour a martini down the sink, but that one might yeah. I might not have finished that one if I'm being honest when I made it with that. There we go. Um, Martinez. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that could be work. sneaky. Well, I don't know. I'm just too too singular in my focus on that one drink. I don't know. <laughs> Can't so, let it go. <laughs> here's an interesting one for us today because this being the first time we have two guests, yes. typically at this point, we'll turn around and we'll ask, what's your preparation and your recipe for this drink? Are we having a situation today where we're going to have two recipes? I'm assuming the preparation might be the same, or are, or have you been able to come together over the Koki versus Lele battle? If I'm making the ideal white Negroni for myself, oh, well. I'm using Dolan Blanc instead of Lele or Koki Americano. Pop, pop. Interesting. I love Dolan Blanc. I love Blanc Vermouth. It, Blanc Vermouth could be my favorite thing on this planet. Specifically, just like there's something about Dolan Blanc that is lovely. Mm. If I'm making one for myself at my home, that's probably what I will pull. And Allie is going to disagree, and that's okay. <laughs> I also love that specifically at home, so no one's around to see, yeah, no, to see yeah. the crime that you're committing. No. <laughs> no, it's interesting, though. Actually, you remind me of something I did want to ask when we're talking about the, the conception of this drink, which is I don't know whether they had the Negroni. Yeah, they did have mm-hmm. the Negroni in mind, right? Because that's what they wanted to drink. So it's interesting that they didn't go with Blanc Vermouth and they went with Lillet instead because they're in France. Yeah. Dolan's yeah. a French brand. Like, you would assume that would have been available, but Honestly. I guess, yeah. Maybe they were at this really niche liquor store. Yeah. And the, <laughs> all, yeah. they only had Lillet and Sue's there, and that's right. it just, it all came together for them. Maybe. Yeah, they're just like, they're like, no, we don't do Campari. <laughs> we, don't do, like, we don't do big brands. We just do more esoteric stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> Interesting liquor store. All right, well, let's do that then. Let's let's, let's go for your each of your yeah. ultimate white Negronis. Um, yeah, what are your specs? You can Pat? you can pick it, you can kick it <laughs> off. Patty. Okay, I'm I'm doing classic equal parts. When I when I have a Negroni, unless it's like Mezcal Negroni Boulevardier, like where I might up the base spirit a little bit with just the typical Negroni, I want it to be one one one. So obviously, Suze. It would have been a real wild card if I would have been like, I only use Solaire's in my white Negronis. So I, I, like I would have had to like leave the studio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but always Suze. Um, gin wise, like if I had to choose, I would probably choose Plymouth. I I just like really like Plymouth as a gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dolan Blanc. We're we're stirring it. We're putting it. it. If I want it to be slow dilution, so just like a quick stir, and then. If there's, like, a large chunk of ice that we could use and put in, that would be great. But I also, like, put it whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, like, stirred up Negronis are so gross to me. As soon as they, like, heat up and, like, get warm, I just, there's something about the sugar and the bitterness that is, like, so off-putting to me. Yeah. So it, it needs to be on the rocks. And then grapefruit twist. The grapefruit twist makes it all come together. I feel like it got famous, right, Everyone was using an orange. That that's like all the specs that like you really see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of places I I feel like lemon is also pretty common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the grapefruit twist. It might numb my tongue a little bit and that's okay. And it just that to me like ties it all together in mm-hmm. such a pretty way. Yeah. Honestly, I agree with everything. I would just do Coke Americano instead of Dolan Blanc. Mm-hmm. But I do respect Dolan Blanc. You know what I mean? You have your right to make your white Negroni however you want. I'm glad we can still be friends after the <laughs> podcast, Sally. <laughs> However, our house back at Grand Army is, is a Coke America. Yes, That's yes. house back at Grand Army? <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. It, I never knew you, you had a room full of Lillet haters in here, right? No. <laughs> this is, you know, I didn't. No, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. But, um, I believe actually that was the first ever version of the drink that I had too. It was with Coke Americano and it, it really popped and yeah, yeah, with the grapefruit. Um, it's not often that you get a that you get a grapefruit garnish either, is Which it? Which feels so wild because I does. feel like that's what it should be. But hey, it's okay. Yeah, I, I maybe it's just like not all bars have grapefruits. No, right? Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. feel like that could honestly be. But then if I'm like, if you don't have a grapefruit, I'm probably gonna go lemon over orange. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you th- but like, well, oh, it's tricky. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's like the orange would go better with the americano, and that's oh, where oh, oh there you go. Oh. Yeah. A little orange, a little cinnamon. <laughs> it's a happy day. 
I feel like your your neighbor there uh, over at Long Island Bar, Phil Ward. I, I feel like he does use a, a grapefruit garnish for his martini or the a oh, martini. Or you, you're am right. I making that? No, up? you're definitely right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're also making me think of too. The white Negroni Spagliato, like God's gift to this earth. Oh like, yes, we wah, haven't wah, even wah. gotten into that then. I know, yeah, I but he, that is an orange twist and a yep. cucumber, and I love that combo mm-hmm. for that specific bev. But ugh. what a wonderful drink! And oh, is that truly. with prosecco? Do we are we needing to clarify that still these days? Did you <laughs> did you ever get that? Did that did that phenomenon that was very online? Did that ever make it into the bars via guests? It did. You're you're nodding your heads here. It's the only time I've ever made a spog at Grand Army was like after that video came out. There was like two weeks where it was like. I'm like, just because you're on Instagram. And it's funny because, like, that's probably my go-to brunch cocktail. I, I like, a classic Negroni Spagliato mm-hmm. slaps. And now I'm like, wow, now am I basic? Like, I, <laughs> I was like a cool say. order. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just like, oh, yeah, I also have Instagram and saw this video. <laughs> do you, so if you were to order that now, do you be, like, order it with a qualifier? Like, I liked this drink before it was famous? <laughs> or do you just own it and you're like, whatever, yeah, yeah, I'm ordering it with Negroni Spagliato. Right? Yeah, I don't care. We I will to say. too much. Yeah, the wine Negroni Spagliato, best cocktail in New York City. That pop, that pop. I, I live really close to Long Island Bar. I frequent it with Allie usually pretty often. I can drink so many of them in probably not a good way. But it just like <laughs> it, the cucumber garnish in there just like brings it. It's I don't know. Stunning. It's magic. It is magic. It's so simple and so good. So many positive memories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, truly. What a bar. Shame about the owner. He's a bit of a you know, he's a bit of a dry guy, <laughs> isn't he? But otherwise, you know, I love that place. Actually, shame about the bartenders as well, Phil Ward. <laughs> you know, what a hack. Anyway, um, so that's the preparation of the drink. We've gone when we said garnish mm-hmm. glassware. We've got that. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the point of the show when we say, do you have any final thoughts on the white Negroni? Oh, what would I say? I don't know. It's like, I hope people aren't afraid of Sue's and are willing to try it. You know, it's like, I feel like I have a lot of like, right, family friends are like, your job is so cool, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but will you try this Bev? Would you give it a go? So it's like, I hope that if people haven't tried the White Negroni yet, they will because it is truly mm-hmm. a world-class cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the color of Sue's can be intimidating. It's so yes, electric, it's yes. insane. I, I will say, and I think the way that kind of like, the white Negroni was in in the cocktail movement in New York in 2010. Like, that's when it started gaining popularity, and I feel like everyone's palates kind of matured. Mm. I would easily say the first white Negroni I had was I was with you. When I was a bar back at Blacktail, and Allie was, was a bartender, we became very good friends. And I think it was, like, one of those things in, in my life where I was, like, becoming a mature adult. And, like, that was one of the first, like, spirit-forward cocktails I actually enjoyed. Yeah. And also bitter, because at that point, like, bitter is, like, a pretty, like, overwhelming flavor, especially as, like, a 22-year-old. Like, yeah. it can be a little offensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, like, for myself, it kind of, like, helped me, like— mature my palate in a little bit and then just like doing more research on the drink it was cool that like it kind of felt like we stopped like america stopped drinking like really dry vodka martinis and like cosmos and like started drinking white negronis and then Mm -hmm. penicillins and all of that and it was just like cool to be like oh i feel like that's kind of how i evolved too yeah i feel like it is kind of a cocktail it's like trust your bartender yeah like this Mm -hmm. is an if an impeccable cocktail if you give it a go might be changed forever Yeah, I think I also had one of those moments as well where the the white Negroni was one of the first cocktails that I ever kind of geeked out over Mm. and enjoyed. Like, wasn't the first that I tried, but it was it was during the period that I really got into cocktails. It was like that was there. So I feel like personally, I owe a lot to this drink. Um, um, Oh, it's a Wayne. But also I got to say as well, I've got one final thought here, which I kind of mentioned up top, but it's like, I think... This might be if it if not the number one, then it's in the conversation of top three most famous modern classics that has kind of internationally spread around the world, right? Um, you could probably put the Cosmo if you want to in that equation. Hats off to Toby Chikini, actually, you know, not <laughs> yeah. such a bad guy. Uh, is maybe not considered in that realm, but you know, this is one of those drinks that's broken through into somewhat of the mainstream. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I feel like some people don't even think the Cosmos is a modern classic. They just assume it's a classic. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone's yeah. assumed it's just been around <laughs> yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um, 
Fantastic. All right, then. Well, let's head into the next section of the show. <laughs> Finish with our five weekly quick hit questions. Um, I'm going to start with, you're both going to get the opportunity to answer <laughs> all of them. So it's 10 today. Uh, we'll start with Patty for this one, though. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say this with the most joy of my entire life. Um, I think probably an alley, t- if I'm if I'm wrong, please let me know. But uh, I think American whiskey probably takes up the most real estate um, at Grand Army. Yeah. It do be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be cool if it was like vermouth, but that was refrigerated and not on the back bar because refrigerate your vermouth. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just like down to like what the people want. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people love American whiskey. And mm-hmm. that's amazing. Do I love aged rum and scotch a lot? Yes, but... A lot of people that come to Grand Army don't love it quite as much as I do. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. But we are. We are. <laughs> There's a, yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you on that one. There's a lot of good quality products out there, too. I mean, I, and I'm, I know you're not saying that they're not. But, oh, yeah, no, yeah. but yeah, like the, the especially bourbon, right? Just the demand for bourbon right now is, is unreal. It's um, wild. Yeah. People love it. It's such a trip. And yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like bourbon. Yeah. But, and especially like... The spiciness of rye and like where like that can get like a little bit like more complex and really cool. But it just seems like more often than not, like Mm -hmm. that's where we're getting like more heavily called for spirits is like in like bourbon rye categories Mm -hmm. and like specifically bourbon. Like people love bourbon and people like love specific bourbons. Mm -hmm. I feel like in a way that like might be a little bit different than every category where it's like there is the... Woodford Reserve drinker. There is the Elijah Craig drinker. And, like, that is, like, the bourbon that they always drink at their house. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's, like, the same with every spirit. Right. It's, like, it's a very, like, loyal spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The people that it attracts. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that's actually had a guest the other day that, like, really wanted, like, he was, like, looking for a bourbon. And then he was like, what are all the bottles behind you? And it was, like, the rum section. And I actually had him try some aged rums. And he was like, oh, shit. I was like, see, it's nice. Yeah. So it's like we definitely have like a shit ton of American whiskey. Like you could tell the lads before us at Grand Army, that was like their Their pride and joy. Mm -hmm. And like respect. But it's like I think our goal, we love Amaro. We love rum. We love Mezcal. We love Scotch, Irish whiskey. So it's like the balance is definitely we're getting there, which is exciting. You know. Nice. Yeah. And I think that the, I guess another candidate or one that's probably creeping up very fast these days mm. is tequila, but pop. probably less need to have such an extensive back bar of tequila unless you're maybe like a place like Leenda or because, yeah. you know, the nature of how people drink it, right? Totally. People yeah. are drinking it in mixed drinks and mm-hmm. therefore a couple of bottles will suffice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, then. Question number two here. Ali. Yo. Which ingredient or tool do you believe to be the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? Well, I know, like, we've chatted about it. I would say our favorite thing to use for cocktails, especially, is sherry. Goodness Mm, gracious. Interesting. Wow, 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 wow. Like, I would say my love and appreciation for sherry started with Greg Buda at uh, Dead Rabbit. The man popped it in everything, and I was like, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I understand. A young 21-year-old Al was just like, everything's different. And ever since then, it's just like, Sherry just adds so much, like, so many flavors and just complexity. It's my absolute favorite ingredient, aside from Sue's, to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to add to a cocktail, also just to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful, beautiful spirit. Like, oh, my goodness. We When we were doing R&D on the last menu, I was like, Ali, are, are, is there a world in which you put Sherry on? in every cocktail on this menu. Because it was like, whenever we were like at a point where we were like, oh, I'm not sure what to add. Allie was always like, Sherry. And I was like, <laughs> there's Sherry in like eight of the cocktails already. We cannot, but I'm being dramatic. But well, it, it is really nice. I mean, I was looking at these questions and I knew what Allie was going to say. Mm-hmm. But it's, especially with like the different styles of Sherry, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Fino and Manzi can give you something and then you get into like the Oloroso realm and that like that realm gives you such a like lovely nutty oxidized flavor and then you go all the way to PX and it's like now you're adding sugar you're adding like a dried fruit characteristic and I feel like the fact that there's just like so many different flavors and opportunities it can 
like be like a lovely modifier for like any style of drink as Mm -hmm. opposed to just like maybe one thing. And it's a nice little like salt and pepper, right? Like it adds that that one little thing that you're like, huh, I don't know what that is, but I think I like it. And at Grand Army, a lot of times it's cherry. (laughs) All right. I've I've got an idea for it here for you. Here's the here's the pitch. Because obviously at Grand Army, you have really fun, interesting themed menus. You spoke about Nick Cage earlier there. How about this one? Okay. The Frankie Valley menu. (laughs) And then underneath, it just says Sherry, Sherry Baby. And then (laughs) Sherry's in every single cocktail. I feel like that's the way you get away with it. Honestly, it's not bad. It's not a bad idea. Maybe for fall, winter, because our summer menu has been decided. Unfortunately. I think you're just being kind to me there about a terrible <laughs> bad dad joke that I just cracked, but I appreciate the <laughs> I appreciate the sympathy there. But yeah. Well it's like I see the route. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'll let it marinate. Yeah. We'll put it in the in the cards. <laughs> yeah, people just might a expect Frankie it. Valley fan, to be honest with it's you. A vibe. Jersey boys. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, good. Sometimes they'll come on at Grand Army. It's a good vibe. Pick up the beat, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Everyone gets a shot of sherry. Woo! <laughs> there you Actually, go. Actually, that's kind of cute. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like this this idea is evolving. Yeah, it could oh, happen. Who knows? It could. Who knows? Honestly, again, we've done crazier things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Frankie Valley's better than the Spice Girls. I'm not sure. Whoa, no, that's a hot take. I that feel like that. Is, so, yeah, there's going to be some comments on the podcast. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. The interviews ended early. <laughs> All right, then we'll move that one on. Um, Patty. What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? I I thought about that a lot, and I feel like I've gotten, like, so many different amazing things from so many, like, amazing people. And honestly, it's just, like, it's one of Hawksmoor's core values, and I think it was just nice because it reminded me of, like, how I should act. And one of the things is work hard and be nice to people. And I think that just, like, growing up, like, that was something that was always so important to my parents— And I also feel like, right, we're in hospitality. We're trying to, like, be hospitable all the time. And, like, you don't know what happened to the people you work with, the people that are in your bar earlier in that day. And so I feel like as long as I'm just, like, doing my job the best I can do and, like, I'm just being, like, a genuinely kind person, like, it goes so much farther than you think. I don't think people always think about other people's feelings and, like, what they've gone through that day. And it's, like... I've had people come to the bar and I've just like really like been a homie with them and we've really gotten along and they've been like, I've had a really shitty day and you made it better. And I'm like, that's literally my goal. My goal is to make one person have a better day every day. And I feel like that is a good just like general rule to like maybe do that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Work hard and be nice to people. I know, yeah. right? So efficient. Wholesome. It sounds like you, you shouldn't have to say it, but we, but we, you know, it's yeah. one of those things that is yeah. actually like, if it's top of mind, yeah. right? You at you enact upon it, right? Right. So easy to get like lost in translation, just like caught up in your own mm-hmm. shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about yourself, there, Ellie? I feel like I have such like a split too. It kind of touches on Pat's like, right? Be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like that was like Jack McGarry's like signature in his emails, and like Ted Lasso says it. Well, women. Like, it's just so powerful. It's just like, if you lead with curiosity, the world's can be yours. And, you know, just to not be judgmental. It's just like, because life is hard, you know, just be kind. And mm-hmm. also, my other favorite thing, clean as you go. Clean as you go. <laughs> yeah. Pat and I are both CIA kids. And it's just like, hey, man, you're busy. Have those hands full at all times, clean as you go. Make the space nice because it just makes somebody else's day easier. It's all about being nice to people, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and being nice to yourself, right? Yes, if totally. cleaning as you go, because when you get into uh, the weeds somewhere yeah. down the line in service and mm-hmm. that thing you didn't organize earlier mm-hmm. or put away, you're going to hate your yeah, past self. You exactly. Know? Like, you're just like, look out for future you. Yeah. yeah. Keep it clean. Keep it nice. Yeah. Makes life a lot easier. Time to lean. Time to clean? No. Pop, pop. Yeah, there Will, we go. Our, we worked with Will at Blacktail, and he said that so much. Yeah, and it yeah. was just like, yes, you're right. You're yeah. right. I should be yeah. cleaning. You, you I, are I, correct. Yeah, I will stop leaning now. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of an annoying one, but it is. But it's it so is, true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, coming back to you again here, Ali. Mm-hmm. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? Oh, I ha- Like... RIP, it would be Blacktail any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the best place, aside from Grand Army, that I've worked. 
holds such a special place in my heart. Like, I would open it back up and just have a daiquiri one more time. Just hang out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. What about like you, Pay? I can't say that <laughs> as well. But after <laughs> Blacktail closed, another bar that is also closed. Um, Sad. We all went to Diamond Reef so much. <laughs> and there's just, like, something about that bar mm-hmm. that has, like, a special place in my heart. Like, whether it be the penicillins or, like, the— <laughs> Hot dogs. Yeah, the, uh, the $4 <laughs> hot dogs. The, the little, like, slick of ice on a frozen mug with a Kiranichi bon oh. is God's gift to this earth. That is, <laughs> like, potentially my favorite thing on this planet. And it was just—we had so many good times there. And it was yeah. such, like, a nice haven for us. And I— such a good bar. Such a good bar. Also, we were really bad at trivia, but would go every Monday. <laughs> Such a good time. Actually, you know, the bartender there would always remember I would get a Susan soda every time. No questions asked. Just nice. to bring it back. Brilliant. Yeah, full circle right there. Such an impeccable bar. Nice. Come back. All right. Final question for each of you today. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you order or make? Patricia? Um, <laughs> I would have... A frozen pina colada with a Smith and Cross float. Thank you, Will Pasternak, for for <laughs> introducing that to me. But I just like there's a level of like comfort and happiness that I feel like that gives me. Also, Coco Lopez is just maybe the best tasting thing besides Sue's, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, it just like I like I'm a rum girl at heart. Like maybe because the first bar I ever worked at was Blacktail, but it just like. That like puts me in such a comforting place. Mm-hmm. Oh, Allie, I know, so I corny. <laughs> just wait, just wait. <laughs> and it would, it would be a white Negroni. Like, I love it very much. Yeah, it's my favorite. First drink I made at home as like a young bartender. So I was like, "This is sick. How do I do this?" And I'll just never forget. Like, I love it so much. It's my favorite cocktail. Really honored to be talking about it today on the podcast. Thank you, Wayne. Um, but that's the one. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Ali, Pai, thank you so much for joining us here in the studio today. It's been a blast. Yeah, same. Honestly, it's such a lovely day. Yeah, it was lovely chatting about such an amazing cocktail. I know. And having a, a dog <gasps> and while we were doing it. <laughs> Wondering whether so some cute. of her panting will make it into the final <laughs> edit or not. Darby's going to have to work I his magic. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Well, Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Let's go. Uh, let's go buy some uh, gentian liqueurs and cookie americano or lile. Who knows? And mix up some white negronis. Well, Dolan Blanc for sweet pat. <laughs> 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 Thank Cheers. You. Okay, I know what you're thinking, folks. That was a lot of info. But here's the good news: every single episode of Vinepair's Cocktail College is published on Vinepair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. If you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded in New York City and produced by myself and Darby Seasai, who also composed our awesome theme music. Just give that a listen, folks. I also want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team, especially co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon, editor-in-chief Joanna Sherino, and art director Daniel Grinberg, who designed our killer logo. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time.